Good evening. <laughs> it's good to be up here. Man, what a blessing. Uh, as I was sitting there and singing those good old songs, uh, thinking of just how much we are can be thankful for you, man. Overheard a, a woman's just share, sharing with Brad how she had been delivered from cancer. Thank you, Jesus. My wife is here with me and is moving around pretty good and so thankful because, and I thank you for your prayers too, by the way, because she, uh, she had just had a triple bypass and then a stroke to top it off and she's doing so good. And then your pastor, right? He just, has, he, he just had a bionic leg put in. <laughs> it actually made him taller, what he told me, so that's... I don't know that he needed all that, but uh, <laughs> we'll take it. Praise the Lord, right? Amen. And thank you, Jesus, for a Bible-teaching, spirit-filled church. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That we're going to be a part of. What a joy. What an absolute joy. Uh, this evening, I want to uh, turn, if you would, your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. That's what we're going to look at uh, today, or this evening, and uh, speaking about all to be thankful for, my goodness, uh, blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And by the way, how much is all? It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. There's no lack in it at all. Uh, uh, chosen, predestined, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, filled with the Holy Spirit of the day of redemption. There's nothing we lack today as Christians born again of his spirit. There's nothing we lack, okay? Which also would suggest that there, we really have no excuses. <laughs> that was a nice exhortation, a little bit of a, you know. But I mean, really, we don't, we don't have any excuses for all that, uh, that Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, what God the Father has invested into us by his spirit. And it was very costly because first the vessel had to be cleaned before it could be filled. Um, Christ is in us that hope of glory. And, and literally we're going to see in our study tonight, you know, how uh, we're, you know, seated in heavenly places with Christ. And, and, and there's a, that idea of with Christ as the idea of in the Greek is sune, which literally means mixed. And and if you can imagine a holy God mixing himself in the heart of mankind, well, he had to clean the vessel first. It, was, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't by any cheap means at all. It was by the most expensive gift that has ever been given in all the history of, of humanity, and that is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. More precious than gold or silver. He washed us. <laughs> And he set us aside for himself, and then he filled us and sealed us unto the day of redemption. Wonderful blessings, and we see that in that first chapter uh, there in Ephesians. And then Paul, and especially the first half of that first chapter, and then the second half of that first chapter, then, then Paul prays for the Ephesian church, uh, not that they would have more stuff, but that they would be enlightened to what they already have, and, and that would, they would be enlightened to who truly God is. God wants, to, God wants us to know him. And biblically speaking, uh, the idea of that knowledge of God 
uh, is, well, of course, the Greek would be gnosko, and, and, and in the Hebrew would be yada, and it, that would be that whole idea of, of an intimate knowledge, as, just as Adam would know Eve, his wife, and they would have a child. That intimacy, walking with the Lord, walking in the power of the Spirit. Uh, so Paul tells the Ephesian church what they have, you know, it's been given to us. It's not like we have to earn it or it's already there. And then he prays for us that, that we would just understand what we have. And then, then in chapter 2, it's like the, the beautiful contrast. I don't know if I'm doing this. I don't usually wear one of these, but anyway. Uh, beautiful contrast. And, and, and there's all kinds of beautiful contrasts in Scripture. Uh, so he goes through all this, wonderful things that God has done for us, and then, then he reminds us. It's like a little, okay, but let me just tell you what you once were. <laughs> and and, and that, that's where we'll pick it up. We'll read that together, and then we'll go into that. And then, of course, it's like, it's like good news, good news, bad news, good news again. Okay? He finishes up with, with good news. And, of course, all to prepare the first three chapters in many of Paul's books was that of, of telling what God has done for us. And then the rest is exhortation, you know, how to, how to have a good marriage, how to, you know, you know, children obey your parents, how to be a good employee, employer, and all those kinds of things. But the how-to always comes after you know what God's already done. You know, you got the tools. You got the power, see. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which... You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. And then verse 4, love it, but God who is enriched in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together, there's that word, with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in, in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom towards us in Christ Jesus. And then our favorite verse, isn't it? For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And Father, give us the gift of teaching and also the gift of hearing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Verse 1, you he made alive. Now, I want to point out in verse 1 that he made alive part is in parenthesis or is, is italics. And so it's not in the original, but the, the translators picked it up from verse 5. So it can fit easily, but we will, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But let's look at what, he's, what, was, what he was saying here. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? All these things that the Lord has uh, done for us in the, first, uh, in the first chapter. And then Paul says, I want to remind you, you were dead one time. 
in, in trespasses and sins. You were spiritually dead. You were, uh, in, in, in the idea of you were is in present tense means you, your, your spiritual death was in a continual state. You were depraved. There was, there was no hope is the idea here. Um, therefore, just as one man, one, uh, through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men for all, all have sinned. Uh, in Adam, we all die. That's when we died. That's when we were, we were spiritually dead, when we were born. We were born dead, in a sense, spiritually speaking. Spiritual death is probably, uh, you know, one of the difficult truths in Scripture for a lot of people, especially unsaved people. They, you know, they can't, they have a hard time with it. Um, it's like when the open-air preacher, you know, is preaching away about the weight of sin. Oh, the weight of sin, the terrible weight of sin. And some, you know, young kid yells out, what weight of sin? I don't feel any weight of sin. He says, how much does sin weigh? Is it five pounds? Is it 10 pounds? And the preacher just fires back. Well, if it was 400 pounds on a dead man's chest, would he feel it? <laughs> no. Don't feel your sin. Yeah, that's the, you don't have any discernment with right and wrong. Why? Because you're spiritually dead. Yeah, I mean, you know that when you speak, you talk to your friends about Christ that don't know the Lord. They don't even know what you're yeah, They think you're from another planet or something. It's because they're not, they're not alive, you see. The Bible describes the state of unsaved man in many ways. He's blind, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He's a slave to sin, Romans 6, 17. He's a lover of darkness, John 3, 19 through 20. Mark 2, 17 says he's sick. Uh, Luke 15 says he's lost. Ephesians 2, 12 and 2, 19 says he's an alien, a stranger, and a foreigner. Ephesians 2, 3, a child of wrath. Colossians 1, 13, he's under the power of darkness. And Ephesians 2.12, having no hope and without God in the world. It's a pretty, pretty dire straits, unsaved man. Do you realize without the element of Christ in the church today, mankind would absolutely have no hope? In, in this country, I'm, I'm speaking in particular. And of course, I mean, I mean think about it. And one of the things that brought me to was going back to Genesis chapter 6. When there, when, when, uh, there wasn't a church, there was only a fam one family, and the wickedness of man was so great on the earth that every imagination of the thoughts of, this, of their hearts was evil continually. It was so, mankind was so beyond hope. We're talking, and, and by the way, Statistically speaking, there were billions of people. There may have been more people on the earth then than there are today. And it was so corrupt, so beyond hope, that the only thing God could do is grab the, that, that one family that was righteous and he had to destroy the entire earth with a flood. Now, for a loving God, that's pretty radical. But remember, he's not only a loving God, he's also a righteous and a holy God. You see, and we love both those aspects of him. The fact that he's holy, righteous, and also he's loving. In fact, it was his love for us that caused us to love him back. You see. And you know, it, it happened again. Years later, 
in the land of Cana. Mankind, uh, again, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. And I, this is crazy how it says in, in, in Genesis 6, 5, every, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil, only evil and continually. I mean, there was no room for anything else. Well, it happened again in Cana. In fact, uh, uh, God said to Abraham, he said, now your, your, your people are going to go into Egypt for 400 years until the, what, until the uh, iniquity of the Amorites are full. Basically, in one sense, God was going to give the Canaanites or the Amorites 400 years to repent. Only thing is, instead of repenting, they got 400 years worse. So bad. And of course, you know, the, the, the non-believing world, they don't understand why, how God can send, you know, the children of Israel into the, prom, into the promised land and kill every man, woman, and child. But you got to understand, it, they, it had to be pretty corrupt. That's, that's man left to himself. Now, I say this, think of the contrast for us, gang, without Christ. I, I say that in, in, in respect of, of the fact that this flesh that we have, it still has that propensity to what? To do its own deal, <laughs> to do its own thing. If it wasn't for the conviction of the, and the power of the Holy Spirit that God has mixed within our heart, man, I mean, where would we end up? The world would have been destroyed. I mean, the United States of America, you know, you think, well, yeah, but we're, you know, there's still a lot of good people that aren't saved necessarily. Yeah, but, but who, how did this world, this, this country form? Born again believers. What was our statutes and, and ordinances all came from the Bible? See, if that was gone, of course, I don't even think there would be an America to begin with. Dead in, in trespasses and sin. That's the realm in which you and I lived in before we got saved. That's scary. You think, wow, man. Thank you, Jesus. Again, talk about Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, that, you, that, that was saved out of that. Well, I, I was smart enough to figure that out. No, you, <laughs> no, somehow the Lord got it through to you. We have to give him all the glory, man. We were dead in trespasses. Trespasses, of course, and sin, you know, it's like a double entendo there, you know, a double force of, of words there, but there's, there's similar meaning, but a little different. A sin is you miss the mark. You know, you might even have the intentions of doing something good or doing something right, but you just miss the mark. Trespasses, on the other hand, is a little different. It's, I know what's right to do, but I want to do my own thing anyway. Anybody struggle with that? Either of those once in a while? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we, we do. And we're born-again Christians. So, dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that, notice this, now works in the sons of disobedience. Wow. That means the spirit of disobedience is mixed within the realm of humanity that's unsaved. You walked. And of course, that was the habit. That was a lifestyle. That's really what that's saying. That word according to kata in the Greek has the idea of being down or, or under, if you will. It means that it's under the domination and control. 
of what? Of the prince of the power of the air. That very spirit that works in the sun. And of course, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir in a sense because we know, we, we, look, we watch the news. We go, man, this world is going to hell in a handbasket, isn't it? It's bad. I mean, do you ever get to where I don't even want to watch the news anymore? But that's the world. <laughs> what the church needs to be doing is just doing what the church does, and that's loving people and winning them to Christ, snatching them out of the fires of hell. We can't fix the world. We can pray for our politicians, whatever, but politician ain't going to save us, you know? Only Jesus Christ is going to save. He's the only one. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, 1 John 5, 19 says. The whole world. Uh, the ruler of this world talked about in John 12, 31, the the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. That's what the Bible calls the devil. Of course, little g. You know, in reality, next to God, he's, he's nothing. He's a pipsqueak. His teeth have been kicked out. He roars like a roaring lion. Walks about seeking whom he may devour. But he only, he's only there to scare you. He can't really bite you. Especially if you're in Christ, right? It's wonderful. But the evil world system, that's what seems to dominate all around us. And of course, what is it? You know, what are the aspects of it? Well, self-glory, self-fulfillment, right? Self-indulgence, self-satisfaction, self-serving. What's the opposite of that? Picking up our cross and following Jesus. Isn't that something? And that's the... That's the contrast. And of course, what makes it easier for us to pick up our cross is the reality that Jesus picked up his cross for us and died in our place. That's what makes it easier for us to do the same for others, to lay, put aside our, our lives. The evil prince of this world that works in the suns, that now works in the suns, now working the energio working in that in, in continually in the, in the in the in the grammar the fall you know and of course again first peter 5 8 that adversary job talks about he you know satan goes to and fro through all the earth walking up and down it he, he never gets tired apparently have you ever noticed that too christian satan never gets tired god's doing a great work in our lives and we got that little chihuahua biting at our heel <laughs> Trying to get us all the time. Trying to get us off track. That's why we got to get more, more uh, intensely keep our focus on Jesus. Hmm. Now working in the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience. What did Jesus call the Pharisees that day? <laughs> you are your, of the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resource. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. You see. And these were religious guys. Wow. Religious guys. But they weren't saved. In fact, they rejected the very Messiah 
that they would supposedly be we're waiting for. Pride can be very deceitful. And then among whom also we all conduct ourselves. Paul brings that home and of course specifically he brings it home to the Jewish believer. Uh, however, you know, when you're saying all, it's everybody. For who, all, among whom also we, we all conducted ourselves, what? In the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath just as others. I just that concept of being lost, that concept of being on a, on a, on a godless bent towards fulfilling your own desire is the idea there. That's your conduct. That's why we were all that way at one time. We were experts at sinning. <laughs> and it didn't even bother us. We didn't know it was a sin. You notice now that it bothers you. And if sin bothers you now, when you sin bothers you now, praise God. It shows you, you you belong to him, right? Just like in Noah's day, every imagination, that's how we once were in that mind of our flesh, the enemy of our flesh, the world, the flesh, the devil. And flesh, by the way, I just got to remind you of this, flesh is a wicked and very tough taskmaster. Okay. I think if we just accept the fact that our flesh is always, always, I mean, even now when being born again, our flesh is always a traitor to our very own soul. Have you noticed that? You don't want to trust your flesh. You don't want to trust anybody else's flesh. You don't want to trust your flesh. There's only one person you can trust, right? His name is Jesus. But children of wrath, I, you know, you think about that. What? You know, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God, James tells us. There was a, a sin in the very beginning there in Genesis because of the wrath of Cain towards his brother Abel. He was jealous. And what did he end up doing? He ended up killing his brother. Um, Self-centeredness, self-focus, all those things and if we don't get our way, what happens? We get angry. We get bitter. People let us down. Any People let us down, right? And if, they, if, if, if people just did what I wanted them to do, I would be a happy man, right? That's childish. Get over that. No. No, we need to be, we, we need to be uh, those that, Lord, what do I need to do to change? What about my heart? And guys, that's a constant. That, we're going to be doing that for the rest of our lives until we get to heaven. It's only in heaven. It's only when we see him face to face that we will be like him for we'll see him as he is. Praise. I can't wait for that day. Wipe away the tears. We're going to be praising the Lord forever. But we were once those children of wrath. Sometimes we still get a little frustrated with people. <laughs> get cut off in traffic or something. Oh, man. We're, we're right down on the I-10 freeway down in Buckeye, man. It's, I don't even like the I-10 freeway. It's one of those evil, necessary things to get from point A to point B. The truckers. I, you know, I got to pray for truckers. I have to because if I don't, I'm going to, you know, 
It ain't going to be pretty. They, 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 anyway. Anyway, so that's our, that's our, that was our propensity then. It should not be a propensity now. I mean, in fact, we were totally given over to it before. Now we, we just got to, you know, through faith and through trusting the Lord, get through it. But they were also those that were deserving the wrath of righteous God. But one took the wrath for us, right? He that, knew, he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But the wrath of God does come on the children of disobedience, Colossians 3, 6, Ephesians 5, 6 says the same thing. That Jesus Christ took our wrath. We were once children of wrath, verse 4, but God. <laughs> Don't you love the buts? The but gods in the scriptures, tons of them. But God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with the, which he loved us, right? Uh, Titus 3 tells us that we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedience, uh, deceived, serving lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness of the love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit, but because of the kindness and the love of God. We talked about Genesis in, in, in 6, 5, where God saw the wickedness of man was great upon the whole earth. Every imagination, every thought it was evil in his heart continually. And then you get to Genesis 8, 1, but God remembered Noah. Don't you love the but God? We were a mess. We were on a highway to hell, but God intervened into your life and into my life at a, at a specific time. Joseph said, but as for you, you meant evil against me to his brothers, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this day salvation for many people, but God. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Jesus Christ died for us. But God. One of my favorites, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation is overtaking you. Uh, no temptation is overtaking you, which is common to men. But God is faithful. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with that temptation make a way of escape or that you may be able to bear it. God's right there to intervene in our lives. Amazing. But God, who is rich in his mercy, wealth without measure is the idea here. Uh, Psalm 103.8 says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in mercy. God has always been gracious in every generation. Lamentations 3.22, the Lord, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And you notice the scripture, it all points to the, the reality. It doesn't put any focus on, uh, on mankind, on how great mankind is. Of course, if you look at scripture and you look at the characters in scripture, you realize, wow, they were people of like passions as we are. But God loves to intervene in the people that he created and that he loves. 
And that's the story, isn't it? His great love, because his great love in which he loved us. Huge, enormous love. Greater love has no man than he laid down his life for his friends. Man. And he said, you are friends indeed. I no longer call you servants, but friends. If you do as I say. Amazing. And of course, what kind of love? We're talking about unconditional, sacrificial love. No strings attached. Uh, agape love. God's love has no limits, no limitations. Uh, high death, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, nor any other creation shall be able to separate us, what? From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Has no bounds. Great love. Amazing love, which he loved us. And in the original, that has the idea of loved us past tense. Well, if we connect that with the previous chapter, we realize according as he has chosen us before the foundations of the world. He had a plan even when he knew we were going to go south. And by the way, have you ever thought about how many of your sins were yet future when Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? All of them. Wow. What grace, what mercy that he has for us. Even, verse 5, when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. His love does not depend upon what we are. It flows from his own heart. It is not love of something good in us. <laughs> it's a love because of everything good in him. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, just at, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. that in your worst state of humanity, <laughs> Jesus Christ, God loved you. In your worst state. Now, how much more now with Christ in our life does he, as Romans says, as Paul said to Romans, does he not give us, freely give us all things? You see, what are the, what are the ways in which um, we're not experiencing that fullness of God? I, you know, I, I suggested to our congregation that probably has something to do with the fact that we believe many times the lies of the enemy uh, uh, instead of believing the word of God. And there's tons of lies out there. Great book was written by Nancy D. Lamas. I, I, I really encourage you to read it. Uh, and by the way, her husband, which they got married just recently, not too long ago, uh, he, wrote, he wrote a book, Lies Men Believe. <laughs> Some of the things that keep us from living in the victory that really is ours, because all spiritual blessings in heavenly places have been given to us, well, the reasons are is because we believe lies. And whatever we believe, that's what our life will follow. Just something to think about. But he knew the worst from the first <laughs> and loved us anyway. He will never lose heart. 
He, in fact, the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. I mean, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God the Father, praying and interceding for each one in this room and all the other millions that know the Lord. Praying for us, pulling for us all the time. And by the way, well, you remember Peter's story. Peter needed prayer <laughs> from the Lord, and so do I. I need to know that the Lord is pulling for me, and he is. He is for us and not against us. F.B. Meyer writes that God's love was not daunted by our sin. We were cast out in an open field, dead in trespasses and sin, and to the loathing of ourselves, but he loved us even then. You see, isn't that a great comfort to know? That even in your worst day, you ever had those bad days? Where you're assessing the fact, well, I'm not really godly today. <laughs> he still loves you then. There's nothing that will dissuade him from that love. It's hard to understand it. But again, he didn't spare his own son. But he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? As we had mentioned. He made us alive together. That's an interesting phrase there. He quickened us, but notice it's together. Together with who? With, with, with Christ. Again, that word there in the original, it's, it's not like just side by side. It's not like, it's, not, it's more than paracletus coming alongside. It's the idea of mixing together. Literally, Jesus Christ is mixed with us. Amazing. And we'll see that again as we, as we move on. He mixed his life with, with us and in us for the hope of his glory in us. You know, it's not so much getting our lives straightened out or this flesh straightened out because you're not going to do it. Do you understand that? Uh, you can't reform this flesh. <laughs> our flesh is wicked. What can you do? You can crucify it. And you can allow the Holy Spirit, you can allow Jesus to live in and through you. That's what the Bible tells us. And notice he raised up us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places. That's again those, the idea of mixed together. The old man is crucified with him and we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Not only do we share, by the way, raised up together has a, has a connotation of what? Resurrection, doesn't it? We were raised up, not by any power, but by the power that raised Jesus Christ up. Raised up together and made sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, and we, know, we notice that he made us sit together past tense. You notice that in your, your Bible there? Made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ. And it's in the aorist and the Greek and all that, but the idea is it, when did that happen? Well, to God, it's already happened. <laughs> because God's outside of time and space. He's outside of our time and space. He's not subject to it. Everything he sees, he sees in eternity. And when he looks at his children, he sees you in his eternal realm because you're mixed with Christ. Isn't that amazing? 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It kind of looks like God, in a way, is a show-off here, doesn't it? Now, if you or I are a show-off, it's not that pretty. <laughs> I mean, really. It's, it's, in fact, it gets ugly when people are trying to show off or brag or boast, right? You know? On our best day, it's not that pretty. And by the way... The idea of showing, the idea of displaying is, is really what it is meant. It's just displaying what is true. And by the way, that is really the, the definition of humility, being humble. It's just being what you see is what you get. The only thing is, when I say that, it's, <laughs> we don't want to see it all, right? In fact, save it kind of thing. But with God, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? When God says what you see is what you get, you go, you're blown away because nobody is gooder than God nobody's more awesome than God exceeding riches of his grace and kindness that word kindness there is really the idea of goodness and we all heard that God is good all the time all the time God is good so he can't he can't help but he's that's all he is He's perfect in goodness and in grace, moral excellence, and he shows off his goodness. And I think in, in some ways to really counteract the lie that was perpetrated in the garden that Eve bought, and we know the rest of the story. Because basically what Satan did is twisted truth to make her think in her mind that God isn't necessarily always good. And by the way, when you sin, when I sin, when we fail, when we go the wrong way, it's usually because we've doubted the goodness of God somewhere along the way. You see, he's reliable. You and I can always trust in his goodness. Always. You see, it's important to know what you believe. It's important to know the word of God. You see. Well, verse 8. We can have, this is a good one to memorize, doesn't it? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace you've been saved. Something that, that is a free gift. Grace. What is grace? It's, it's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. Comes directly from God. There's nothing you can do to, to you can't even add to it. Being saved. Right? Uh, that which was begun in the spirit. Paul said to the Galatians, are we now going to you know, make it perfect in the flesh? No, you're not. <laughs> what can you do to it? Well, we, we sang a song about surrender earlier. That's what you can do with it. I sinned. What do you do? I surrender, Lord. Forgive me. God does a great thing in your life. I surrender, Lord. Thank you. It's just surrender. It's acknowledging him in all our ways, Proverbs tells us, and he will direct our path. Right? Trust in him in all of our ways. Surrender to the grace. 
Grace is that unmerited favor. It's that, that, that love. Faith is the hose. Grace is the water that brings us life. And faith is the hose, the, the element that brings it there. Um, faith is the key to unlock the door to God's heart. Right? It's the key. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that he is, he exists, and that he is a rewarder to those that diligently seek him. That's, that's Christianity. What do you do? I seek Jesus every, all I can, every way I can. I'm, I'm going to go to Bible studies. I'm going to listen to Christian music or Bible teaching. I'm going to do all I can. Not in a legalistic show-off way, but in a way because I need him. You see, hmm. faith, forsaking all, I take him, right? Um, what kind of faith? Uh, John Patton was translating scripture in the South Sea uh, Islanders. He found a, he was trying to figure out a word to be translated that meant faith. He couldn't, he couldn't, he was having a hard time with that. And then one of the, one of the um, natives came in and, and plopped in on a chair and said, oh, it's so good to rest my whole weight into this chair. And John Patton said, that's it. That's the, that's, that's the word for faith. Resting your whole weight into the arms of Jesus Christ. Not a religion, not a concept, not an organization, but a person putting our whole weight in his arms. A guy by the name of Charles Blodden put a, a high wire across the Niagara Falls, and he was famous. And he would run stuff over the Niagara Falls, the top of it, different things, you know, across showing off, and, and people were screaming and yelling and everything else. He ran a wheelbarrow across. Oh, that's amazing. And then he says, how many think that I could put a human being in this wheelbarrow and get him across? Yeah, you can do it. Who wants to be the first one? <laughs> right? But see, faith is getting in the Lord's wheelbarrow. By the way, he's the one that's going to get you home. He that began that good work in you is faithful to complete it. You know, he who has called you is also faithful. He will do it, right? So, grace, what an amazing thing. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How can you boast <laughs> when it's all his work? Do you get that? Not of works lest any man boast. Why? Because we're his workmanship. And by the way, that word means poema, means poetry, means work of art, whatever. But, but let's, think, let's think about this. First of all, he made us. Okay, you didn't make yourself. That's what the scripture says. Know the Lord, he is God. He, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. Okay, he made us. Number two, he saved us, right? <laughs> not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Washing of water, re regenerating of the Holy Spirit. And then he sustains us. 
again? Are you foolish having begun in the spirit? You know, on and on. And by the way, he's the one that gets us to heaven. Faithful he is he that called you. It'll also do it. Man. So where's the boasting? <laughs> we can boast in the Lord. I can boast, I can boast in the Lord that I'm, I'm allowed to teach the Bible. Because I, I know what I am, you know, I know, I know me. I know what kind of a knucklehead I am. And you know what kind of a knucklehead you are. How often we fail, how often we transgress or whatever, and yet he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess, right? He's always there. Amazing. Well, I think we got to wrap it up there because it's about five till eight. Okay. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I'll close with that. That we should walk beforehand. He prepared that. You think about that. His plan for perfecting us, using us, right? Using us in a way in which people will not see us, but see Jesus, right? Because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, not me or you. Isn't it amazing? Um, we know that all things are working together for good for those that are called to God and, or, or, or those that are. He works all things together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to what? That's, this is all about predestination. Predestinate to what? To be conformed into the image of a son, Jesus Christ. It's not my life. It's the life of Christ in me. That's his workmanship. Isn't that great? And we're all a part of that forever, forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. Thank you again for this congregation of people that are in love with you, Jesus. I pray that you continue to bless them as they serve you and seek you. That, Father, you just fill them overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.